Welcome back to our final session on the Lord's Prayer. Today we're looking at Jesus' words, these powerful words, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's talking about sin and he's talking about Satan. He's talking about the fact that he wants us to have victory over both. You know, by nature, we are sinful individuals. And we also live in a world that we can see, but there's this other world out here that we don't see. It's filled with angels, it's filled with demons, and it's filled even with the devil. The Bible says the whole world, this evil world system is under the power of the evil one. But we are Christians, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, we're not like the world. And so we need to pray every day, oh God, don't let me give in to sin today. Lord, don't let me de be defeated today by the forces of the evil one. That's what Jesus is wanting you to experience. He wants you to experience victory. He wants you to be an overcomer. First John says, greater is he who is in us than he that is where? In the world. So that's what Jesus is wanting you to pray. It's gonna be a great study, and I pray that you'll be blessed as you look at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored. Honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today. Our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from the evil one. You know, the idea of asking God not to lead us into temptation uh, in some instances can be confusing because you're thinking, well, my goodness, is it possible that God would lead me into temptation? And the answer to that is no. Uh, James chapter one is very clear. God tempts no one. So any thinking along those lines would be out of bounds. What we're in essence acknowledging is we live in a broken, fallen world where uh, opportunities for sin uh, surround us. And therefore, we're asking God to guide us and direct us away from those areas of temptation, away from those areas of sin. So when we ask him to do that, that's what we're doing. We don't have to fear, oh, if we don't pray this, he's going to throw me into an area uh, where he wants me to sin or is trying to get me to sin. No, that's not the case at all. Furthermore, I would say this. What God intends as a trial, Satan often intends as a temptation to sin. In other words, you can take the same event and Satan's goal is to make you sin. God's goal is to help you grow in your discipleship and your sanctification. So in a real sense, how you respond is crucial and key in terms of living out this particular aspect of prayer. When I'm praying this kind of a prayer, I'm praying that I wouldn't, I wouldn't get caught up in the stuff that the devil is camouflaging as okay. Because I think that's his greatest trick. I think he gets us to buy into the lie that this sin is okay because it's not a big sin. And I think that's the way temptation works. I think it's, it's getting you to accept the fact that you can be a Christian and do this at the same time. And so while, when we're praying this, you know, me personally, I'm praying that, God, I would be able to recognize the stuff that the devil is camouflaging because the evil one hates me. He wants to destroy me. We all know John 10.10. We understand that he is on the prowl and he hates us. And so with that understanding, with that realization, I have to understand that he may not be able to get me with the big stuff, but if he can get me to be okay with the small stuff, then I'm in big trouble. And so may we all pray that.
that we'd be able to recognize the stuff that the devil is camouflaging so that we don't fall into the evil schemes of the devil himself. I believe that God knows that we live in a fallen world. I know that uh, even Jesus Christ was tempted and uh, everybody is tempted. And the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all ways like we are, yet without sin. So every one of us is tempted. God knows that we live in that fallen world. He's given us free choice. He's given us the ability to say yes or no. And I believe that it's a, a daily prayer. It's to begin your day in that prayer because he talks about give us this day our daily bread. So I believe you're to pray at the beginning of your day, go through your schedule and say, Lord, all the way through my schedule, if there's anything that just comes up, dear God, help me to be able to stand against it. But Lord, if it be thy will, I pray that you would lead me not into temptation. Lord, keep me away from the temptation so that I won't give in to the sin. I'm so glad that the, that quintessential prayer actually includes the concept of evil because I think in our culture we have caricaturized evil. You know, we think of the devil in a red unitard with horns. And by emasculating evil, we are not doing ourselves any good. I grew up in Central Florida, and there are alligators everywhere. And my little brother used to, to used to get gators. That was one of the things we did. We were bored rednecks. But he would judge a gator by the width of his eyes at night, would shine a light out of the boat. And then he'd jump on the smaller ones and wrap their snouts with duct tape because a gator has no muscles in opening his mouth, or very few. The, the real strength of a gator's bite is in snapping down. So you can just wind a few straps of duct tape. Even a big gator, they can't open their mouth. But you still have to be careful, even though they can't bite, their tails are so powerful, they can break your legs with a tail. So if they'd be in the back of the truck, we still wouldn't touch the gator's tail because he could kill you with his tail. I think of the enemy like that. You know, in Revelation, God refers to, to the enemy, to that purveyor of evil, Satan, as a dragon. And I think Revelation 12 says he has a mortal wound. He's got a sword in his breast. But I always think of him in the context of this massive alligator. He's still got his tail and his tail can knock us for a loop. So I think as Christ followers, it behooves us not to emasculate evil, but to recognize we've gotta be wary of the tail because he's trying to take us out. And yet we don't have to fear that he will win because the end of the battle has already been spoken. God wins, so holiness wins. We just have to be aware that he'd like to wallop us in the meantime before God calls us home. When Jesus talks about evil, and delivering us from the evil one. I think the battle for that is in our minds. That's why we have to renew our mind. That's why we put on the helmet of salvation. Because if I don't know for sure that I have a relationship with Christ, if I don't know who I am in Christ, then the evil one is constantly, constantly telling me lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. And so, for God to deliver me, guess what? I've, I've got to know what he says. I've got to have answers. I can't just say, hey, don't bother me. The devil doesn't, the only thing that Jesus confronted the temptation with was the word of God. And so to deliver us from evil one is one way of saying, have I done my Bible study? Am I in the word on a daily basis? Do I, do I know what some news guy said, do I know the latest tweet that's trending of the day, or do I know God has said this in his word? And we meet the temptation with the word of God. I mean, the devil tempts us in basically three ways. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. I saw, I coveted, I took. 
with David. I saw, I coveted, I took. I mean, the devil doesn't have a very broad range of attacks, and it's not like it's rocket science. What I tell people when, when you pray and somebody comes to me and says, I'm just having a problem, I can't get freedom from this, I can't get deliverance from this, uh, I'm in bondage to this, you know, I keep asking God to forgive me over and over for doing this, I just ask them, where are you in the Word? What's God said to you? Where are you claiming the promises of God? Because with the promises of God come the power of God, and the Holy Spirit is behind those promises. So the power to live in light of those promises and those truths is in walking with God and having the mind of Christ. When we pray that the Lord would deliver us from the evil one, we, we are reminding ourselves that this is a real entity in the world that seeks to do us harm. But we're also reminding ourselves of the fact that ultimately we really do need the Lord's deliverance from the evil one. We are weak and we are frail creatures, and all of us are capable of immense evil. If we ever come to the point where we look at something that someone else has done and we think to ourselves, that could never happen to me, then we are standing on the edge of a cliff ready to be pushed over. We need deliverance because we can't deliver ourselves. So Jesus told us to pray and ask the Lord in faith that he would deliver us from the evil one. And of course we know that being delivered from the evil one day by day is really just a foreshadowing of the fact that in the gospel, God has already delivered us from evil. We are sealed in him with the promised Holy Spirit in our lives. So in an ultimate sense, the work of Christ is finished. He has delivered us from the evil one. And now we're praying on a daily basis that we would recognize the evil that's around us and that the Lord would exercise that deliverance in an immediate way, the same way that he has done in an ultimate way through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So when Jesus challenges us at the end to pray for him to deliver us from evil, I think he's talking about the evil one. And whether it's the devil himself that is instrumental in influencing our lives or he's using two or three other things, it's always the root from him. You gotta realize there are three forces in this world that are affecting us as believers. The devil himself, the world, and the flesh. And that's why it's vitally important for us as Christians to depend upon God and I think more than this, to preach to ourselves. Because if we're not preaching to ourselves the gospel and praying the gospel, reminding ourselves the identity of who we are in Christ, the world is always doing that. The devil is always doing that. Now, the devil is probably not tempting us personally uh, because that, we're not that big of a deal, right? He's not omnipresent, and so we know he's not everywhere. So we know that he's not tempting us personally, but the system is tempting us. And so I think it's a constant reminder to pray and ask God independence to deliver us from things. Why? Because he's promised that. Uh, in the book of Corinthians, there is no temptation that will overcome you that you'll not have a way out. And so while God allows us to be tried and tested, he always gives us a way out. And that's the divine instrument that God uses to bring us into the image of his son. And so I think what God's saying is, yes, life will be hard, but don't forget to call out to me. And don't do it after it's too late. You know, if you're like me at times, I wait until it's too late. God's kind of a last resort. What could happen if God's the first call we make, the first cry we make? Uh, I think Jesus said that would be a biblical way to pray. 
the attitude or posture that I take when I'm asking the Lord not to lead me into temptation, but to deliver me from evil is an understanding that I am absolutely dependent upon him. I can do nothing apart from Christ. And so I have to be filled with his spirit. And one of the things I love to do is to utilize the articles of the tabernacle or the temple as just my personal quiet time, kind of my roadmap. And so I begin by offering myself to the Lord as a living sacrifice. And then I go to the laver and I ask him to wash me and cleanse me with his word. And as he washes and cleanses me, he reveals to me any sin in my own life that I need to continue to ask forgiveness for because it's those open doors to the enemy that caused me to fall into a trap set by the evil one. So if I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he reveals to me any unconfessed sin in my life so that I can be forgiven, so that I'm walking blamelessly with the Lord. And I love to, when I teach women, I tell them, you're not going to be perfect, but you can be blameless because the scripture calls some humans blameless. And it just means we're walking with all revealed sin confessed and cleansed. So we can walk blamelessly with the Lord. You know, the part of the Lord's Prayer that I personally gravitate to most when I, when I pray it, uh, that I just find myself clinging to, is that phrase, Lord, bring us not into temptation, but deliver me, deliver us from the evil one. Because I realize that, uh, let's just say this, the longer that I, I live with J.D. Greer, the less impressed I grow with him. And when I see, um, I see people that have, are, are much more impressive than me, that, that get caught up in some temptation, I know that if it's not for God's protective, prevenient grace with me that I will destroy my life, I will destroy my family. I've seen enough of me that I, I'm scared of that. And I find myself daily wanting to cling to God, will you save me from me? God, will you keep these um, things in my heart from, from growing and taking over? God, I'm so dependent on your grace. I was reading um, uh, the letters of John Newton. John Newton, of course, is a guy who wrote Amazing Grace. And, um, I think he was 86 years old when he penned some of these letters, and he, he was talking to a friend of his about how, in one sense, discouraged he was that at 86 years old, the temptations that had plagued his life were not growing more dim, they were growing stronger. And I thought, like, I, I thought, at 86? I mean, I would think by that point, I would just be like, all right, let's just, you know, love Jesus and get, you know, whatever. But um, he said that, that what I, he says, I, I'm convinced now that growth in grace is not growing to a point where you no longer realize how much you need grace, but growing to a point where you realize how badly you do need grace. And what God wants to do in your life is put you in a posture where you find yourself desperately clinging to, Lord, bring me not into temptation. A lot of people, a lot of Christians are going to think that when you really get spiritually mature, you won't really have to pray that phrase that much because I'm kind of immune to temptation. I, um, that is a complete ignorance of the sanctification process. For until we are 86 years old, until we are 186 years old, we are going to be saying, God, I need you to save me from myself. And if it's not for your grace in my life, then I would be doomed. But your grace is dependable. And when I say, bring me not a temptation, but deliver me from the evil one, I know that you will answer that every single time. When I come to the Lord in prayer and I ask him to deliver me from evil or the evil one or when I ask him just to help me in temptation. I probably I probably should say it more literally, like whether it's lead or bring, but a lot of times I just say, Lord, help me in this temptation or deliver me from this temptation, uh, shield me from it. And I think that when we come to the Lord with that posture, it is, n it is nothing if it is not first a posture of humility. Because basically what I'm saying is, Lord, I am not strong enough. I do not have the goodness inside myself to contend with this. I cannot 
do this on my own. I'm weak. And uh, I can so quickly and so easily succumb to sin. And, and, and at times, sin that would take my, my life, ultimately. I mean, it's just that's how weak we are. And so I'm, when I come to the Lord in that way, I feel like um, it's just a real posture of humility saying, Lord, you are Savior, you are good, infuse your righteousness in me and, and deliver me from this. Almost 10 years ago, my wife of 25 years, we were celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary and uh, she was killed in a car accident. And I entered onto a new battlefield that um, I was only prepared for by God's grace. And uh, what I found was that the enemy is cruel and he is sadistic and he's a pervert and he will attack you even at your weakest, most vulnerable moment. But the Lord was with me and his power and his rod and his staff not only comforted me, they comforted me because he was able to defeat the enemy in my life. Uh, I am sitting here a miracle of God's grace. Uh, thoughts of self-murder, thoughts of running, thoughts of fleeing. Uh, to, but, but I knew the Spirit would always speak to me and coach me, if you will, through this whole process that, that there was nowhere to run. The pain was me. The pain was my soul. And yet, you know, I was comforted. I had a, I had a student ask me, uh, a seminary student asked me about a month after Tammy died. He said, uh, did, your, um, did your view of God's uh, sovereignty help you or hurt you? when Tammy died. And I heard myself answering him. I said, yes. It utterly devastated me that God would let me hurt that bad. And yet it utterly comforted me that he was with me in the battle. Uh, God does not, he, he's not an absentee landlord. He is Lord. And he is on that field with me in my struggle. This is, this is huge, a, a huge part of the prayer because it, it ultimately shows us how we get to glorify God this side of eternity. And it's through the battles, it's through the struggles of our life. And 10 years later, I stand here only by the grace of God. And God has been faithful to me through all of this. And I give him glory for his goodness to me in the land of the living. And uh, I, I, <clears throat> it's a new trajectory of my life. I never imagined that, uh, that God would change my heart the way he has to the degree that I don't want to be what I was before. And what I was before, by any standard of people who love me and know me, would say was, was not bad. But it wasn't finished. And, and God has just been so gracious and so good. Um, and, and I... I believe he's, he makes us to be warriors, and he made us for the battle, whatever your battle is. And uh, he will be with you, and he will energize you, and he will give you strength. You will never face a temptation or a struggle that, and you will face them. I mean, people say all the time, and it's heretical, uh, God will never give you more than you can handle. No, God often gives you more than you can handle because otherwise you would not trust him, you would not seek him, you would not need him. And so he will lead you onto those places and he will 
use you to overcome the enemy and to defeat him to his shame.